Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a podcast from BBC Studios, a commercial subsidiary of the BBC. No judgment, I get it, we're all in a different place, but I'm just saying, I don't know if we need to take it to the next level and make those little pieces of cereal chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to try everything the first time, and it just so happens that I have, you know, been blessed with a job where that's a requirement. Uh, But sometimes it's easier than others. You know, when I was in Hong Kong, my palate was absolutely challenged. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the show. The magic ingredient where a celebrity or famous person comes, brings a magic ingredient and we make a meal of it for them. We're Pinch of Norm. We are. I'm Kay. And I'm Kate. And we're here in our living room yet again. Again. For our last episode of this season of the podcast. It is the last episode. Oh, it's a bit sad. It is. But anyway, this week, Kate, who have we got? We're quite excited this week. It's a, We get a far-flung guest this week. We get a far-flung <laughs> Somebody from the other side of the world. <laughs> but obviously we had to talk to him via the internet. Yeah. Couldn't go there, could we? No, we couldn't. Never so mind. We have Dennis Prescott. <laughs> He's a chef. Um, but an author. An author. Ex-musician. He's, He's done everything, but he is on a show uh, yes. called Restaurants on the Edge, which we talk about in at length, and also about how he was in a band, which is extremely interesting. How he went from being in a band to a chef. <laughs> I know, all through reading some cookbooks. How yeah. it, it, it's really good. So before we... Get to Dennis. Shall we have a mailbag? A few mailbag questions? I think we should. Marie wants to know, Kate, can you use normal rice if you don't have risotto rice? And if not, what is the difference? Uh, For a proper traditional risotto, you would need risotto rice or arborio rice because they're shorter grain. It's the short grain rice which release the most starch and it gives you like that starchy ooze which makes risotto creamy. Ah, could you use other rices though? You can use basmati or sushi rice for it, or pudding rice, um, or bulgur wheat if you want. Oh, it's a nice alternative. Um, or barley, because barley's got that same gloopy texture. Yeah. Um, but it won't be as creamy, It, but it'll taste just as nice. Oh. <laughs> but you could also kind of make a pilaf it instead. Could, just with normal basmati rice. Oh, let's see. Clever. Or long grain. Or long grain. So I've got a question for you now. Go on. From Paula. Yes. I hate sweetener. What can I use instead? This is a question we hear so many times every day. We like to cook with sweetener. However, just because we like to cook with it doesn't mean that people have to cook with it. 
if you like it cook with it if you don't then don't but I think what is really important to talk about is there are different types of sweetener there are there are two main types Mm -hmm. so there's the powdered type which is really cheap you get it in a glass jar and it has I it personally one of the most horriblest if that's even a word aftertastes in the world ever it's that horrible artificial taste and it's just not nice then you've got another sweetener which it's granulated so it's like sugar in appearance and taste yeah it has exactly the same texture weight and consistency of proper sugar proper sugar whereas the powdered sweetener is so much lighter therefore you don't need to use it as much some of the um <laughs> some of the people that make sweetener have now started to call the powdered sweetener granulated sweetener so people get really confused yeah they do but if you don't like sweetener you could use sugar instead just use half the amount there's half and half as well which is which is really good but you could also use like natural sugars such as honey argave syrup there's rapadura there's so many other like sweet things that you can use but maybe just don't use as much because some of them can be a little calorific or bad for you in other ways so yeah it's it is completely down to personal preference just don't judge others if they don't want to use them kate Alex wants to know, what can you use instead of red wine vinegar? We use rice vinegar quite a lot in our recipes, so you can replace it with rice vinegar, white wine vinegar. Um, there is a lot of lot of alternatives to red wine vinegar. Lots of different types of vinegar, but you want ones of the, the more milder ones, like your apple cider vinegar, um, things like that. But try and stay clear of malt vinegar because that's a little bit harsh or if you haven't got can't get your hands on any vinegar just use lemon or lime juice because it's usually acidity that you're looking for in a dish yeah just different vinegars taste the different things but it's not really what they taste of is it it's kind of like how acidic they are so if we ask for something that is like a stronger vinegar then you want to put more of a milder vinegar in it yeah really Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, so use either like sherry vinegar, white wine vinegar, something like that. Right, and here we are talking to Dennis about all things food. All things food. So you were in music for 10 years and then you were inspired to to start cooking. What did you Mm. used to do for 10 years of music? I mean, all we all we've been able to find is that you were a struggling musician. Yeah, I mean, part of that I, I will say, interestingly enough, part of it is because you know, obviously, the internet existed and you know, people had access, but social media was still kind of becoming a thing. Like, I remember being in a band uh, somewhere in North America and finding out about Facebook and starting a Facebook account, you know, yeah. like MySpace was our weapon of choice. Oh man, remember that when the, the music used to right. auto play whenever you went to any band's profile. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so there. Right. Um, but you know, I guess, I guess, you know, for me, the majority of what I did honestly was just 
play. And I, I know that kind of goes without saying, but for, for us, there was no real plan. I, I, I was in university um, taking a business degree and a guy who had a van who was probably 20 years older than me at the time said, I'm going to do this tour in North Carolina and Tennessee and all these exciting places in the States. And I'm from the small little part of Canada. And that to me sounded way better than the business degree I was studying for. So I dropped out of school and my parents loved that and, uh, and went on tour and I, and it was awesome. And I just didn't stop for like 10 years and I played in a billion bands. Uh, you know, I played all over, um, North America. I recorded a record at Abbey road studios actually, and spent, that was my first time visiting London, uh, and visiting the UK in general. Um, you know, so I got to do some really cool things, but the problem with the music industry is that it's very rich in experience Yeah, and that's it. (laughs) But I kind of got to this place where I was like, I need to take care of myself. And a friend said, you, you need to start eating, eating better. And you also need to just find something that's yours. Uh, and I, I said, what, what what do you mean? He says like, why don't you start learning how to cook? And that was before YouTube existed, you know? So, which is just to say, you know, blogs existed, YouTube was starting, but you couldn't go and learn how to change a tire on a two minute YouTube video. You couldn't learn how to bake brioche. Like that thing just didn't exist. (laughs) And, uh, so, and I said, I can't go to culinary school, but I knew I loved delicious food because I was, you know, able to travel all over North America into Europe, do, you know, eating great food. And I wanted to recreate those flavors. So this friend of mine said, well, why didn't you uh, go to the library and borrow some cookbooks? And I was like, that's crazy. The library doesn't have cookbooks. What are you talking about? They've got like, you know, J- Jane Austen. Like they, and no, they have a whole section, yep. a massive section of cookbooks. So I borrowed three books and I brought them home. And he said, why did you, why'd you borrow these? I was like, I don't know. The guy on the cover seems real smiley and happy. And, uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a good looking dude. And, and I feel like I could pull off these recipes if I tried. And it turns out it was Jamie Oliver. And I just had never heard about Jamie Oliver. Yeah. And uh, I started working through these books and I became obsessed, just full on obsessed. With it's a really nice food. story though. Like it's, it's a really wholesome yeah wholesome story like you've gone you went from being a musician and not knowing what on earth you wanted to do and to the point where you found something that you wanted to become yours which is just amazing most of jamie's cooking is kind of i would say quite heavily mediterranean influenced but there's an awful lot of british classics in there for sure um, yeah. does British food inspire you at all? Because it's got kind of a bit of a bad rep, especially with some people in Europe. Yeah, yeah it has. <laughs> it has. But, I mean, yeah. do you like British cooking? For sure. I mean, I... So, let me say, the bad rap uh, carries over into... Oh, carries across the Atlantic as well. <laughs> um, unfortunately. Um, I think some of the best restaurants in the world are in are in London. I think that if you go to London and eat at some, at, you know, go out intentionally, uh, you can find, yeah, you can find fish and chips. You can find, you know, a beautiful, you know, uh, steak and ale pie. You can find all of that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because for me, comfort food uh, and food that makes you happy, I think is has value. And I think that we all need, you know, especially right now, you know, most of us are stuck at home. Like we need those foods that make us feel real good. You know, mac and cheese does not hurt my heart right now at all. (laughs) Um, But I also think that there's this other side of British cuisine that is the story is, yeah, it's starting to be told, but it needs to be shouted, not just told. 
um, you know, British cheese is some of the best cheese in the world. Uh, you have, you, you know, your, your dairy, the, the produce that, you know, you can go to Borough Market and walk around and find some of the most interesting, exciting mushrooms. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, and beyond that, I've had the kind of good fortune I'm flashing forward quite a bit in my career, but now, you know, working uh, from a chef's perspective and, and cooking, I cook a lot um, with um, some chefs who are based in London as a part of a SGG2 action hub. So it's all the sustainable development goals for 2030 that we've created the chef's manifesto um, where chefs can connect globally. And, and that action hub is, is out of London. And, uh, you know, I've cooked with, with these, these um, chefs who are, who are from London. I, they are some of the best chefs I've ever worked with anywhere in the whole world. And they're doing incredible food that is British food. It's yeah. just not the British yeah. food that you think about when you think of that stereotype, yeah. you know? Uh, and I, so I think that the narrative needs to be changed because the truth is, like, I love French onion soup, but like that's that's how are you you're gonna tell me that that's high cuisine? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like everybody's got their own version of steak and ale. Everybody's got their own version of fish and chips. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, it, it it's funny how stereotypes kind of go, but yeah, cheese is definitely. I mean, if yeah. Kate could eat something every day forever, it would probably be cheese. It, w- it would be cheese. There'd probably yeah. be quite a nice helping of port on the side. <laughs> to be fair as well but it would definitely, definitely be cheese, cheese yeah. and you picked mozzarella as your magic ingredient and <laughs> we love mozzarella yeah maybe we should sort of mention how we usually do this with yeah that's probably a good idea so, so usually what the gig is um you come to our kitchen we cook for you hopefully you like it and we talk about what we've made sadly though it's kind of a little bit impossible um we'd already recorded quite a few hadn't we yeah. pre-lockdown mm-hmm. and then lockdown happened and we we're like how is this <laughs> gonna work um so yeah hence here we are but how would you for a start why did you pick mozzarella and what would kind of be your dream dish to make with mozzarella so for me i'm a firm believer that the best food in life the best dishes in the world remind you of being 10 and eating your yeah. grandma, your mom, your aunt, your dad, whoever cooked for you, eating their food. And because food is nostalgia, food is community colliding at the table. It is about those moments you spend with the people that you love. And that doesn't change. And I think that those early food moments help to carry you on later in life. And they shape the food kind of culinary journey often that you take. You know, it doesn't mean you don't try new things. Of course you do. And your palate gets better and you experiment and you find new things, but you still keep going back to those foods. Yeah. Like my mom's pizza, she made out of a box and added just, just add water and, <laughs> and with like o- overcooked beef and way too much cheese. And to me, it's still the best pizza in the world because my mom made it. And I remember being a kid and eating it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So mozzarella for me was this food that like I ate mozzarella my whole life. And I ate it when I was a kid and it was always bad mozzarella. Like it was never actual mozzarella, right? And then I started to, to kind of get into the food world, especially once I started cooking. And then I went to Italy for the first time and I had mozzarella. And it honestly, it tasted like something from another planet to me because it's so beautiful and creamy. And, you, you know, you guys being based in, in the UK, you have so much better access to what I would have of, you know, European products. Um, but you know, for me, that was the first time I remember going, Oh, this is what it's supposed <laughs> yeah, to be, yeah. like, you know? 
it was like going to the Caribbean and picking a mango from a tree and eating it. You're like, oh, it didn't travel 3,000 miles. Now I get it, you know? Um, but for me, it's just this very beautiful, very luxurious kind of ingredient that we take for granted because you can get it in all forms, you know? Yeah. But when you have it the right way, I feel like it's incredible. For me, mozzarella just with some mozzarella prosciutto, some, you know, nice grilled, grilled uh, bread, some jam and maybe fresh basil to me that's everything yeah, you know? it's heaven um, it's, one it's of, heaven i mean it's one of those ingredients as well it's so simple i mean we should mention that it comes in many different forms <laughs> yeah there's yeah. like there's the pizza cheese variant of mozzarella <laughs> which has its use i mean it, it does have its use where it's it's hard and then it goes stringy mm -hmm. yeah. usually buy it especially here either in a really big block um, from a catering wholesalers or it comes grated in a bag and then you've got buffalo mozzarella, which is like those gooey balls of lit. I am salivating right now. Um, they are. It's. It is like the most beautiful. Yeah, with creamy. Mozzarella with some nice fresh fine tomatoes. Oh, salt, pepper. <laughs> and you'd like. You don't need to overcomplicate it. No. It's just. It's one of those ingredients. It just stands out all on its own. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, so we're going to talk a bit about the dish that we've chosen to make for you, even though you're not here. Um, and then we get to tell you how nice it, how nice it is, but you can't have any of it because we haven't actually made it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a bit mean, but I think it's fair to say. Um, but yeah, um, one of those, it's funny actually how you mentioned pizza, because we are going to make a rigatoni pizza pie. So you have to have a little bit of patience to make this dish. You do. This is the, the, the little caveat to this it, dish, it's isn't a bit it, Kate? Of a, probably a bit of a showy-off dish if you've got people around. Yeah, I think it's one of those dishes that people will look at you and go, how the hell did you make this? And then how did you have the patience to make this? How do you have the patience? But it is so it. worth the payoff. So you get a spring-form tin. You cook some rigatoni pasta, mm -hmm. which for those of you that don't know is... It's kind of like a jumbo macaroni, yeah. but it's straight. Mm -hmm. I think that's the only way that I can yeah, describe a big, it. A big tube. I'm not well known for describing things. A big, a big tube. <laughs> Just yeah. a, a pretty big tube. A, yeah. You cook them till they're al dente, and then you basically make them stand up in a springform tin. Mm -hmm. Now, it's this bit that requires the bit of patience, but it is worth it. I, I, abs it, I promise. It does look impressive, doesn't it? So they become these little standy-uppy cannelloni tubes mm -hmm. that you then fill with the most amazing homemade tomato sauce um, or a marinara sauce, as, as you probably know. And then you basically top it with pizza-y things. Yeah. So you can put whatever you want on there, um, like a bit of salami mm -hmm. or pepperoni. Whatever you put on a pizza. Yeah. Really? And talking of pizza, um, Dennis, what is your favourite pizza topping? Well, I need to not jump past what you just said, because I, I do want that. Uh, legitimately. I do want that. Do you know why I want that, if I can say really quickly? No, cool. is Because I know... So for me, for me, I already said the best food in the world reminds you of being a kid, but it also, the best food has like, has t texture and, uh, texture, seasoning and acid on point. So you yeah. know what I mean? You get that. For me, I've got to have crunchy with my salt and that, the crispiness of yeah. how those noodles would become on the outside. Ooh, oh, I want that. It is lush. And I mean, it is, 
like the pasta cooks. Obviously, the mozzarella goes on top. We just forget yeah, the mozzarella obviously, bit. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, that, carried that, away with that. Always helps. Sorry, I got a little bit <laughs> overexcited. So you put you put the tomato sauce inside. You basically okay. put it over so it goes inside. So it kind of it'll it'll help the cook the pasta cook a little yeah. bit more because otherwise it'd be a but big. You get that nice crispy outer edge around the oh, around the side. Just fit. It's yeah. just it's lush. It's really really nice. Anyway, yeah. My favorite topping, you know, um, I I think I mean it changes all that. I love pizza. <laughs> I just love it. So, and I feel like pizza comes in so many different forms. Like you've got that wood fired pizza, but you've also got the pizza you get at two in the morning when you're you've had some <laughs> drinks, and you know it's it's a little little dodgier. The ingredients aren't great, but it, but it serves its purpose. Yeah. And both of them, I think, are great. Um, for me, I I I'm fortunate. Like I have a wood fired pizza. That I that that I use at, at home, and uh, I've started to make make all everything from scratch, just because that's kind of the, my nature. So, um, getting into to a lot of sausage is my thing right now, and then mixing those up, making homemade chorizo, making homemade uh, sausage that's kind of spiked with uh, fennel and garlic and lots of chili and so for me i'm really into that right now but i mean that might change in a couple months and then (laughs) obviously if you can find that beautiful buffalo mozzarella that just you know especially when it comes out of a wood-fired oven uh it's so so hot that you just layer it on top right then and it becomes this creamy just mess of deliciousness yeah it's like a gooey mess but it's the best mess and it's the tastiest mess and quite often the most gooeyest like even icky looking things are quite often the tastiest. It's a bit like <laughs> yeah, brown yeah. food is always really tasty, unless it's... ugly delicious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm totally with you with there with the wood fired pizza. Oh. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I have one question about pizza, though. And it's it's one yes. of those, it's an important question. I'm really building this up and it's really not an important question, but I'm going to say it as anyway. Chicago or New York for your pizza? Who does it Uh-oh. best? Definitely New York. <laughs> I mean, now, now, if I can, ex- I let that, definitely New York, hands down, no question. They win the last dance. They're the ones singing. Um, I will say, Chicago pizza is delicious. I just don't know if it's pizza. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people who, you know, who might listen to that from Chicago may not love that I'm saying that. But if you look everywhere else in the world, right, from New York to, to L.A. to, to London, uh, you know, to 
Italy, where pizza comes from, everything it's all very similar. You yeah. know, very there's differences, but it is very similar. And then there's get this unique beast in Chicago that's it's its own thing. So I don't know if you can call it pizza is what I'm getting at. But but I will say I've had it a lot, and there's no question it's delicious. Yeah. It's it is definitely more like a pie though, mm. for sure. What is definitely what we'd refer to as a pie. I thought I'd just ask And what's you. wrong with a pie? A pie's amazing. Nothing wrong with a pie. I'm from a part of the UK where people eat lots of pies. We've got some questions from our community and so many people like, it's the guy from Netflix. I'm like, yes, that's him. <laughs> I've, just, I've just finished binge watching that, that yeah, show. Because obviously lockdown is is improper full swing. And I think... Our, it's, it's perfect. It is perfect. Binge watching. It is perfect binge watching. Apart from you might not be able to get some of the ingredients. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, although we get to have a laugh at you eating a mouse, which we'll, we'll come to in just a sec. <laughs> okay. I won't start talking about it, but I have things to say. <laughs> um, but no, I've got a few questions first from our, our readers, and then yeah. we'll get to, obviously, the mouse and the weird things that you've put in your mouth. So, yeah. Um, Sally wants to know, I'd love to know if he's got a favourite dish that was inspired by correcting a mistake, e.g. a disaster turned around. It's actually a really good question. It is actually a very good question. Very good question. Um, I have an answer. I I, I, I feel, uh, uh, let me say to Sally, because I'm assuming Sally probably loves cooking just like we all do. Most dishes that are incredible come from mistakes. So yep. most dishes, and I think we, we don't talk about that enough, you know, people who are recipe writers, chefs, whoever, like experimenting and failing forward is what results in the best mm-hmm. dishes ever. Uh, if you try to poach an egg once and you've never poached an egg before, it's probably not going to look like that beautiful poached egg that you want it to, because you, you got to learn how to do it, you know? Uh, and I think that it, it just takes some time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, yeah. I feel it like makes it absolutely makes sense. Because because I think often, you know, we, we just, we think things should work out because we watch like a three minute YouTube video or we read a recipe, yeah. you know, I, I, and we think we can make brioche from scratch and it's going to be amazing. And just like that bakery in Paris the first time, like, no, homie, it's not, but it's still going to be good. And you're going to learn, you know, throughout the way. I think that the dish that I can remember, I was cooking in, um, the Hamptons, because uh, I did some kind of between music. I, I had a lot of weird food jobs. I ran a donut business for a while. I did catering for a while. I worked in and out of restaurants for a while. But I was doing this dish, and they added a whole whack of people to the uh, to the night. So I had did not have enough ingredients to feed everybody. And I had all of this salmon. It was marinating in miso and soy and garlic and ginger. It was a beautiful marinade. And, uh, and then I had my, all my knees ready, my sauce, everything was done. And then all of these extra people walked in and I just took that marinade and I mixed it in with the sauce as I thought, well, let's, this is all I got. <laughs> and it turns out it, it, the dish was so good that I put it in my first cookbook because it was like literally one of the best dishes I had ever made. I was so happy with it. I was so proud of it. Um, so I think that that was a tire. Literally, I just, I had to feed more people. Uh, and and it could have been awful, and it was great. I I completely yeah. hear you. One of the yeah. recipes that we put in our first cookbook, I thought would be an absolute write off. I'd completely forgotten that I was marinating lamb in yogurt and spices in the fridge. Um, we were. Oh my! I think people forget that 
cooks and chefs make me like we make mistakes all the time like i know yeah, i definitely yeah, do yeah definitely do definitely um they it's don't a... call me calamity k for nothing um but yeah like there are we never get it perfect the first time i mean it, it takes practice i think a lot of the time that some of the best dishes you make are the ones where you just you just throw things in yeah and just see what you end up with and hope that it yeah. comes out and like you mixing your marinade and your sauce and it being like that sense of accomplishment <laughs> of i did this it's amazing um and especially when people yeah. like it it's great mm. sally has the best questions <laughs> she does we need sally on again and becky's got a really good question um and i certainly know i know what mine is but it's going to be quite interesting to hear your take which food trend are you over or you wish would end? <laughs> uh, so it's interesting because I was thinking about this recently. Um, it's an interesting time for food trends, I think, because you restaurants are closed. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we all we all know that that's not a great thing, uh, but it's a necessary thing. But, you know, for a while, it was this gold leaf thing that was happening in New York City. I don't know if that was happening in London, but everything being covered in gold leaf and then them charging. Like, literally, you could go to a get, you know, you get chicken wings, a dozen chicken wings, and it cost you a thousand dollars because they're covering in gold leaf. What? Uh, it, it made me so it made me so angry because like we all know, it, it, it literally adds nothing flavor wise to the dish and it makes it just the most pretentious thing in the world. Yeah, okay. Um I will say the thing that I'm kind of pretty torn on right now is this um, uh, pancake cereal and cookie cereal thing that I see happening on Instagram. Have you seen this? What? No. no. It's essentially, <laughs> essentially <laughs> so so you you take you take a you know your pancake mix in a squeeze bottle. You squeeze out small little rounds of pancake batter, so they become little coins almost. You pop that in a bowl and you cover it in maple syrup, and then you eat it as cereal. What this, this? That seems like a disaster waiting to happen in the long run. No judgment, I get it. We're all in a different place, but I'm just saying I don't know if we need to take it to the next level and make those little pieces of cereal chocolate. <laughs> so let's talk about Netflix because yeah, I think I think we have to. I think we? We, well, we definitely have to. Like we really have to. So restaurants on the edge, uh, which are a big part of. Can you tell those that haven't heard of it, A, why they should watch... Well, in fact, hang on, let's, let's reverse that. B, what it's about. Un, B, <laughs> just just oh, ignore me. I'm just an idiot. Um, So what's it about and why should they watch it? Uh, so Restaurants on the Edge is... I mean, it's a little bit of a play on words in, in, in the title, but essentially... Almost everywhere you go in the world that has a beautiful location, there's also a restaurant there, right? Because it becomes a touristy location. You want to go, you want people to stay, and you want them to eat. And more often than not, that restaurant caters to the tourists who are coming and not to the locals who live there year-round. Because tourism, I'm sure it's the same in the UK, it's a couple months a year, right? And then it shuts down. And then people go on with their daily lives. But there's still a massive group of people who live in that and work and they're there, right? If they don't see themselves represented on a menu or in a restaurant, they're not gonna go. You know, uh, I, I have no interest in going to uh, Beijing to visit my parents, because that's where they live, and getting a burger. <laughs> yeah. I love burgers. I think they're amazing, but I don't want one in Beijing because I want local food. 
And uh, so I think a big part of the show is is coming alongside these restaurants because they're obviously struggling. They're both on the edge of a view, but they're on the edge financially. Um, and then helping to empower them and get them back in touch with local, back in touch with, you know, uh, the community, the, the what's in their backyard, uh, and to breathe some joy and happiness and positivity into, into the restaurant. I think that often food shows can be slightly on the negative side. The, uh, you know, and we didn't want to create a show where we went in and told anyone what they're doing wrong more than we wanted to empower them and say, okay, you've got the bones here to have success. But, you, but here's some ways where you can push forward, you know, and for me, as my job as the chef on the show um, is to help the owners fall back in love with what they have for ingredients in their backyard to use that to highlight it on the plate. Yeah, make some food tourists are going to love, of course, don't forget about them. You know, they're, they're making you a lot of money in those couple months. But also don't forget about the people who are there in November who want to see themselves on a plate. I, it's funny actually um I was explaining what the show was to somebody and I was like it's not like that other show that breaks people down to the point where they don't want to be on the show to build them back up it's it's just it's really wholesome yeah. and it's yeah. I mean it's so picturesque it's so beautiful it's shot and some of the locations are just like y- you want to go yeah. there do, do you have a particular yeah. favorite episode it's it's so hard to pick. It's like picking one of your favorite kids. Um, uh, I mean, I will say, you know, season two just came out uh, on the global platform, and uh, I we went to uh, I think the the first episode in in the, the in season two is Slovenia, and uh, Slovenia is a country that I knew very little about. You know, uh, I had been to Italy a lot, which borders Slovenia. Uh, going there, I don't know why it was. I don't know why I didn't go sooner. And I would go back anytime I could. It's one of the most breathtaking, magical. Like you feel like you're walking into a storybook almost when you're there. Um, food, food is great. Produce is great. Cheese is ridiculous. Like everything was so good, and the people were some of the kindest people ever. It was amazing. Yeah. But we didn't really go to a location that I would say wasn't that. It was just some of them were like hit you in the side of the head. Beautiful. Because uh, you know. As, as much as I love, can- yeah, and I'm from Canada, we filmed a few episodes in Canada. It's beautiful. We met incredible people. Canada doesn't have a castle built into the side of a mountain. No, so it doesn't. it's really hard to compete. <laughs> the Slovenian episode was quite funny because you ate a mouse, which yes. actually looked, now I'm going to be quite controversial here, it looked delicious. It did look, it did look really nice. <laughs> what was it like? Well... Okay, so I will say I, I need to add a caveat to your delicious <laughs> because it was tossed in a demigloss, uh, and it was served over a cheesy polenta with foraged herbs from from you know from the the woods. So it it actually was pretty delicious. I don't know what it would have been like on its own because we you know just to eat it kind of cooked over fire. I'm not sure. For me though, like I didn't grow up in a in a food culture of eating something with the head and tail on it. And I know a lot of people all over the world, that is their normal every day. But for me, I'm just not used to that. So that's a fear factor moment, just as it is. Uh, I have learned, though, that some of the best ways to fall in love with new foods is just to try them. Because worst case scenario, you don't like it. You don't have to try it again. Like, you, you know what I mean? You can choose not to try something again. But I want to try everything the first time. And it just so happens that I have 
you know, been blessed with a job where that's a requirement. Uh, but sometimes it's easier than others. You know, when I was in Hong Kong, I, my palate was absolutely challenged, yeah, I bet. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> challenged. Um, but some of the things I fell in love with there, I thought I would never would have eaten this if I wasn't kind of in this situation. And I'm glad I did that Dormouse though. I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't imagine I'll eat one again. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to say, I can't see it in your future maybe, but is there, is there a particular thing that, um, so instead of saying like, maybe like, have you got a favorite episode? Is there a favorite dish that you tried that you really liked so much so that you wanted to recreate? Maybe. Oh gosh, there's so many, honestly. <laughs> but if I had to pick, uh, really, there was because I cooked with some incredibly uh, inspiring people, inspiring chefs. Um, uh, the thing that comes to my mind right now is uh, in Saint Croix. I, I connected with a chef there uh, named Digby, who he's got a few restaurants uh, in Saint Croix. He's kind of a big deal in in uh, in uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands uh, from a chef's perspective. Everybody knows who he is. But we didn't do anything fancy aside from that we fished for lobster. Uh, so he dove, grabbed the lobster. Uh, we cooked it over this big cauldron uh, on the beach. We, and we covered it in lime leaves and turmeric uh, and, uh, and uh, ginger and garlic and very kind of West Indies flavor, very Caribbean flavored. Uh, and for me, I grew up you know, on the East Coast of Canada. I've eaten lobster a billion times in my life. And I don't take that, take that for granted. But for us, it's just here, right? Um, but I've never eaten it flavored like that. And that was so, so inspiring to me. So I've recreated that dish many times since leaving just for me. I think <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, we, we, we always found that a bit odd, actually. Lobster over here uh, appears in the supermarket or the grocery store like once a year, usually at Christmas. Um, and certainly our friends were like, oh, no, we're having lobster this week. I'm like... Really? You fancy? <laughs> you really fancy? Because over yeah. here, it's yeah. Obviously, we're not blessed. We're not as blessed. Put it that way. Yeah. Lobster. Certainly... I mean, for 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 me, you know, lobster, literally, if you want to buy a lobster, it comes out of the water that morning. Guys put it in coolers in the back of pickup trucks, and they drive them at four way stops. And you just go and you pay, and it's usually four 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 dollars, four dollars and fifty cents a pound. And <laughs> Crazy. It's crazy. It's so crazy. But at the same time, there's positive and negative because some of the ingredients that you have access to, yeah, yeah. Get, you know, like mozzarella, um, really nice mozzarella. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. So that was Dennis. And was. I really hope we get to cook our rigatoni pizza pie for him soon. <laughs> and he can cook some lobster for us. Yeah, on a brioche for, bun. For less than $5. <laughs> I know, it's insane, isn't it? We'd love it if you could head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave us a review, some stars. Some stars. Yeah. Tell us what you thought. So yeah, that's that's it from us. Um, Just keep safe and we love you all. And yeah, we'll see you around soon. We will. Thanks. Bye, Bye. everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.